that that should never be a reason why you move in with a man to save money. Mm -mm. Right. I, 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 I just know that it's never going to work out. You know what I mean? Because you're struggling, he's struggling, and then y'all just going to struggle together, especially when, like you said, you had the red flags of him never being able to pay his bills on time. You should not have to yell at somebody, scream at them, beg them to pay their rent on time. It's the same day. So if you are listening to this, I want you to understand that moving in with a boyfriend because you want to save money is probably not the wisest idea. I said, how did you wake up this morning? <laughs> What's up, girl? My name is Rika, and thank you so much for listening to Single You, the podcast. Whether you've been listening for a while or you just stumbled upon me. Hello, I am a certified NLP life coach. Now, NLP, let's get nerdy for a second. It's Neuro Linguistic Programming. You can Google the rest of that if you want to know the rest of the nerdy stuff, okay? So I'm certified in that area, a.k.a. the single girl's life coach. I am a self-love coach and a boundaries coach. Listen, I got that boundaries and that self-love on lock, okay? <laughs> All right, so I am your host and also the founder of this podcast and Single You Academy, which is my online coaching program, community, and resource for single women. Now, before we get into the episode, let me just put a little disclaimer out there. All right, I am not a licensed therapist, so I am not to replace a therapist. But I will say this a lot of my clients, they have me as their coach, and then they also have a therapist because it is my job to hold you accountable to the things that you say that you want. So if you want to stop tying your worth and identity to men and stop being a man pleaser, you need help on that self-love and boundaries area, then I would be the coach for you. And maybe one day that coaching relationship with you and I, yes, yeah, it's me and you right here, hey, <laughs> will happen one day. You can always reach out to me. My Instagram is open to you. On Instagram, I am just me Rika. And of course, I will put my name in the show notes. All right, that's it. I'm your host, Rika, and let's get into the episode. This is Single You, the podcast. I do have a guest today. Her name is Stacy, and I titled this episode A Cautionary Tale for Women Not Having Your Money Mindset Right Before Dating because of Stacy's story. So, Stacy is a woman who's passionate about educating women and their money. Throughout her life, Stacy's life, she has always stood up for what she believes in and questioned everything, okay? As she weaves her own unique travesty of life, she has overcome many struggles and learned valuable lessons. She is excited to share those lessons with us today around both relationships and money confidence. Here's a tagline for you because I, I want you to know how this story is going to go and the lesson that you're gonna get from it. She's still entangled with her ex-husband who lives in a house and Stacy's name on it. Stacy's name is still on that house um, and she's paying for it. Um, not, not, not necessarily financially, but definitely emotionally. So let's go ahead and bring Stacy 
to the room and let's talk about it. Stacy, hey girl, hey. Hey girl, hey. Hey, how are you on this Monday? I am awesome. Been really busy today helping people with their money. So right, you're right. Glad to be here in real life and everything. And so, um, thank you for wanting to share your story on my platform. And I always, I, and I said this to you multiple times. I want you to know this is a, a safe space. I, we are not here to judge you. We want to hear your story and learn what we can learn. We want to take the lesson from you, which I know that's what you want to do. So, uh, yes. So you are in a safe space. Let's, this is kind of how I want to do the flow of the conversation. Uh, Cause we had a conversation off air, you know, not live. And I know that you have been married and then there was a boyfriend in there and then you were married before. So that's kind of the, the years that we're going to be talking about um, for you. So let's talk about your first husband and let's just kind of stick to the divorce. Why did you guys get a divorce? Uh, he became an alcoholic after 13 years of marriage. We had two kids and um, it had to do with his job and 9-11 and he had to start laying people off and closing down locations and it just took the best of him and he, he just... Uh, on top of other medication he was taking, it just like knocked him over. He just became a totally different person. And I had grown up with a family member who was an alcoholic and I hated it as a kid. So I didn't want to put my kids through that. And I was basically doing everything myself anyway. So I thought it would be better to leave. So yeah. that was in Arizona. Okay. And then we moved back to where our family is in Colorado in 2005. Right. And during that um, divorce, was that something that you as the woman had to pay for all on your own? What was the financial situation in that divorce? Um, well, I had stayed home for 10 years with the kids and only been back to working at their school. So for not much money for maybe three or four years. So I wasn't making that much money and he was basically supporting us and um yeah. So I filed. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I tried for three years, you know, went to counseling and a church counselor and prayer groups and tried so many things. And he just, you know, you know, it's a, a disease, so it's hard to get over. And of course, at that time, I didn't understand all that, although I was going to Al-Anon, which was helpful Yeah. until I heard someone say that they'd been coming for 12 years. <laughs> <laughs> and their husband was still an alcoholic. And I was like, I'm out. <laughs> yeah, you're like, I'm not doing I'm not hanging around for that long. <laughs> and I want I want to just uh, mention that again. You said you were going to Al-Anon, right? Yes. Explain what that is, because I know that's a great program for women who are um, need help in leaving and whatever. So explain what that is real quick. Yeah, it's basically Alcoholics Anonymous for the other family members. So whether it doesn't have to just be a spouse or just for women. It can be a spouse. It can be a child, an adult child a parent of an alcoholic, you know, so there was people of all ages and, you know, a mixture of tales, but it wasn't about complaining about the person and your life. It was about working on yourself and understanding that it was a disease and right. that right. kind of thing. And, and what they were going through, hopefully in AA, mine wasn't going to AA, but 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And so um, in that marriage, you, you didn't work. You were, well, you did work. I do believe stay at home moms are working, you know, in it. <laughs> yeah. Getting paid for it, right? So financially, you were not working. And so leaving this relationship, I assume it must have been a financial burden on you. Well, I moved home with my parents. Then there we go. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They had a big enough house and told me to come home, you know, to them. And that was great. I lived there for a year and a half. Mm -hmm. Um, So my dad, my father had leukemia. He actually passed away five weeks after we moved home. And um, so I was a help to my mom as well. You know, yeah. we kind of helped each other. Yeah. So yeah. that was a good, that was good. Yeah. And so what do you wish that you had maybe done differently in that marriage to, um, I guess, give you a better like financial launching pad when you got out of that relationship? Not that we prepare for divorce. You did not prepare. Like, no. you, we're not like, oh, I'm getting married and I can get a divorce. You didn't think he was going to become an alcoholic, but now that hindsight is 2020, have you ever had moments where you thought about like, okay, well probably should have done this differently. One thing was I was buying all the groceries and he would want me to buy a carton of cigarettes and his handle of gin or whatever. I did quit doing that after a while and told him he had to go buy his own stuff, which he got really upset about, but that was something I learned in AA. Um, You know, because I stayed home for those 10 years and this happens to a lot of women over the the whole their whole lifetime because yeah. they take time off to raise the kids they take time off to help their ill parents you know either move or you know they're sick too um and so that was 10 years with no social security going towards my future you know or no retirement fund or anything like that and so not only were you getting paid less money <laughs> sorry i'm going off on a rant no, <laughs> less gonna, per, no, we're getting paid no. less per hour and then we're working less you know, years than men. And then when we get to retirement, usually they want us to retire when they are retiring and usually we're younger. So it's just kind of a mess. But anyway, um, yeah, I wish one thing was we, he didn't sell the house, but his dad was a realtor and he calculated like how much my half would be if they did sell it. And they, he paid me $16,000 and I wish I would have done something good with that money, but I basically just over time blew it, you know? So I wish I would have saved some of it or invested it, you know, and, you know, saved for a down payment on a house, something like that. But I didn't. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I think it is. And you can correct me if I'm wrong. For a lot of women. Right. We're waiting for this Prince Charming to come save us. Um, And I know that there was a book that you mentioned. Yeah, um, having our conversation off air. So I just want to put that out there real quick. What was the name of the book again? It's called Prince Charming Isn't Coming. Exactly. <laughs> by Barbara Stanny. Yep. Yeah. And I wish that that was more of the story for us. Prince Charming is not coming to save you, darling. So let's get your financials in order. Okay. Before you even really get serious about a guy to then get married. Because like you said, you had 10 years of no money going to a 401k, to your retirement or what have you. Um, and I know that you're 54 now and 10 years of money, I'm sure, would have put you, your trajectory would have been further right. than where you are today. Do, do you feel like? Yeah. yeah, for sure. And also I did get half of his 401k. My lawyer came up with that. Oh, wow. So I wouldn't, you know, most women don't realize that that's something that they can ask for in a divorce. Um, I did forego asking for spousal support. I did get child support, obviously, but um, I only did that because the the kickback for me was that he would let us move out of state. 
with the kids. I left, you mm. know, I had full custody of the kids. So, right. yeah. so I didn't get spousal support, but I did get child support. So yeah. yeah. And you know what, this is the a question that I always ask every guest. Um, usually I ask it first, but I wanted to just jump right in. So I'll ask you this. Did anybody ever have a conversation with you about like what makes a healthy relationship versus an unhealthy relationship? No. Yeah. Basically, it was you're there to serve him. You know, you try to make him happy. You have the dinner on the table. I mean, this seems so stupid now. But and I think I tried to do that in my first marriage. Yeah. You know, it was like, I've got to be the good little wife. And, yeah. you know. So, and it's, it's interesting to me that, you know, you're 54, so you're a little bit older than me. You look good, girl, but <laughs> I you. feel like we're still getting that message. Like you are there to just like be his everything, right. And be his peace and things that they say on the internet. Well, y'all need to be his peace and whatever. But again, we get into these situations thinking, oh, all I need is a man with money. It seems like he had a great job and you thought that you would be taken care of forever. Yeah. And he was yeah. eight years older. So I think that was a, you know, yeah. I was 20 or let's see, yeah, 20 when I met him. Mm -hmm. um, and it was like, he rescued me, you know, from this crappy, not crappy roommate, but a roommate that was partying all the time. And I couldn't deal with that anymore. I was trying to go to work and be a good person. And, and he kind of just was like, come live with me and we'll, I'll take care of everything. And he did, you know, yeah. but then as, as time went on, my fighting spirit started resurfacing and my questioning and my, you know, I'm not going to do that for you. You do it for yourself kind of attitude. And so at first it, it was hard for him, but, um, you know, eventually he got used to it. But then when he started drinking course, it was always, everything was my fault. Well, I drink because of you, you stress yeah. me out. You, you know, you're not bringing in enough money, whatever. It's always your fault, which by the way, it's not your fault. No. <laughs> You didn't cause it. You can't cure it. It's the other C. You can't control it. Those are the three C's they talk about in Al-Anon. 100%. Okay. So I just want to wrap this up, this one up with the bow. So for that relationship, yeah, it, made a, it may have been good in the beginning. And now you can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but the fact that, you know, he obviously changed um, mm -hmm. to your detriment and to his detriment. And then you were left basically holding nothing. Um, and yeah, you got things out of the divorce. But it seems like maybe, um, would you tell women who want to be stay-at-home moms, like, what would you tell them? Like, no, maybe work. Like, I don't really know where, you know, because I'm not a mom. No. So I, know. I think it's an awesome thing if you can afford to do it, at least for a few years, you know. Um, it's it's difficult. You yeah. get lonely. You know, luckily I had a good support system of neighbors that were also stay-at-home moms. but. Um, and I, but otherwise no other family really around. So it was a little bit difficult. Mm -hmm. And when you, the husband gets home, then you're like, here, you know, I've been doing this all day. You take the kids. But of course that's the last thing they want to do. So that part is a struggle, but I just, I just would say, try to plan to still put away for your retirement. Because like I said, you're not going to get social security unless you can do something at home. That wasn't really an option when I was back in right. the nineties when I was doing it. But, um, you know, try to do something where you're making a little bit of income at least or your own money and, you know, try to have your own account. If a guy doesn't says you can't have your own savings account, that's a pretty big red flag, I think. 100%, yeah. You, you yeah. should be able to save your own money if you both agree on that, you know. But again, like you said, the Bible kind of pushes that we're supposed to bow down to the man, do whatever he wants and 
if he messes up the money, then that's on him. And it's like, no, but it, it affects me too, you know? So those are, those are hard stories. Right. And I will say this, it's not necessarily the Bible, it's people's interpretation of the Bible. And, and a lot of women, um, especially us faith-based Black women, I feel like we do not read the Bible. We just go to church and then we allow the preacher, our mentors or what have you tell you what the Bible is saying. And we hear this word submit. And then we don't realize that in the Bible, it actually says both. Like wives submit to your husbands, husbands submit to your wives. Like mm-hmm. there, there's an order to this and husbands need to be doing something um, that is very um, detailed and particular throughout the Bible for a woman to actually submit to them. I don't just have to submit to you because you're a man, but that's what the, that's what they teach us. Like, oh, well, he's the man, so he's the leader. But no, it's like, and that's why I do encourage uh, my listeners for sure. Like you really got to get into the Bible and read it for yourself and stop letting society and these preachers tell you what submit means. Um, okay, so now let's, um, so you get the divorce and you move back to Colorado. And I know that um, you meet a man, right? And so let's talk about that relationship because I know that was a, a, um, definitely rocky and something that you should not have been in. Hindsight is twenty twenty, right? Right. So tell, tell us that story. Why do you believe that you fell for him? And then why do you believe that you shouldn't have been in it? So it was a friend that I had grown up with and he had been coming to visit my dad when he was ill. Of course, I wasn't living there, you know. And then when we moved there, he would still come. And of course, he was my age and I'd known him my whole life. And it was like, you know, just a nice, refreshing, somebody different to talk to as a friend. And But his dad had passed away from cancer as well, like five years before. So we had a lot in common. And after my dad passed away, I said to him, I just got to go do something like I've been staying at home. I didn't get a job. I just stayed home and helped with my dad and then all the funeral stuff and cards and everything. So we went out and I think I wasn't thinking of it as a date, but he was. And then he kind of like made it more romantic and, you know, he didn't try anything or do anything serious until my divorce was final. But he was seemed like a good guy. I trusted him. Obviously, I knew him, you know, and my kids knew him. And so it was fine. But then I had to jump in here real quick to introduce you to Single You Merch. Yeah, that's right. Single You, the podcast. We have merch now. Yeah, because affirmations, they can be on something better than a post-it note on your mirror. Yeah, how about affirmations on your couch in the form of a throw pillow or on your bed in the form of a throw pillow for encouragement? Singleyou.shop for you to buy the single you merch, okay? You deserve it for picking you and breaking up with him. Christmas, New Year, Valentine's Day. Oh, totally your birthday. Your best friend or your best friend's birthday. (laughs) Simply because you want to encourage yourself, you want to encourage your best friend on any day that ends with Y. You can shop Single You merch right now at singleyou.shop. The link will be in the show notes. The throw pillows, what do they say on them? One says, happiness over history. Another, happily single. And another one says, sis, don't do all that healing just to date another broken man. Hashtag stay sharp. Yeah, that's on the pillow. And lastly, singleness is not a punishment. The throw pillows are available right now, just in time for Christmas. More to come, but do your shopping right now at singleyou.shop.
obviously it was too soon. And my kids, especially the youngest daughter who was in third grade at the time, got really upset and jealous of my time spent with him. And then as it got more serious, we dated for about three years. They didn't like him at all. <laughs> and so it was this constant, do you give in to your kids and listen to them? Or are you just like, no, this is what's going to happen. I don't care what you think, you know, kind of thing. And yeah. And then after a while, nobody yeah. liked him in my family and he didn't like yeah. anybody else. And it just became really, really negative. And so I heard you say, you know, do you give in to your kids not liking him? But did you have red flags about? Oh, tons. Yes. Tons. Okay. okay. Not right. at first, obviously, you know, in the romantic stage, you know. Right. But very angry person, very racist, um, negative. Uh -huh. We would go to any kind of event with friends from high school or new friends or family. And the whole way home, he would tell how horrible every person there was and he couldn't stand them. And it was just constant negative. Yeah. But you guys had this trauma bond and then you knew him since you were little. So it was like familiar to you. So you're in this relationship, even though you knew that you shouldn't be in it. Right. And so right, right. Like you, you get out of this marriage and then you dive face first into um, this relationship, you know, and having a boyfriend. What do you wish that you would have focused on outside of getting the next man? Well, definitely just grieving both my dad and my marriage. Um, and and then also figuring out what kind of man did I want next? You know, not that that was like on my radar that I got to find somebody to take care of me necessarily. Right. Right. It just seemed like I'm not a real whole woman if I don't have a man kind of thing, you know? And I kind of, I think, felt that pressure from my mom too. Like she was trying to set me up all the time and introduce wow. me to people. And um, I mean, at first she was embarrassed that I was, getting a divorce. Yes. Yeah. She didn't want people to know. <laughs> but then after a while, in fact, she wanted to put my ex, well, not he wasn't my ex when my dad died, but you know, not officially, but she wanted to put his name in the paper, like as if we were still married. So people wouldn't question. And I was like, no, <laughs> I just, I want to sit with that real quick because this is where a lot of women are. This is where a lot, this is where my ideal client is. She, she feels the need that I need a man. And sometimes it's not even the pressure coming from inside. It's actually coming from external sources and then inside, because then you, um, you, you, you let it affect the way you feel about your singleness when your mom and your friends and everybody else is like, where's your man at? Where's your man at? And they're putting this pressure on you. The shame that your mother put on you because you were getting a divorce I mean, of course you went and hopped into, you know, the next relationship because that is the only thing that makes us worthy, especially in the eyes of our older aunties, our mothers and stuff like that. Having a man is the only thing that makes us worthy. Did anybody even ask you about, baby girl, are you financially okay? We need to get you a job. How are you doing? Did anybody ask you that? No, no. And I was dealing, my oldest daughter was in seventh grade and she was very angry and, you know, doing bad stuff. And I had to deal with all that with the teachers in the school. Of course, she went to, had to go to a new school, you know, and um, middle school's hard, obviously. But I just hated going there knowing that people knew I was divorced. I just was so ashamed. Yeah. Wow. 
that is, oh God, it makes me like want to cry that everybody else was like, well, uh, you, maybe we should hide the divorce. So let's sweep that under the rug and let's get you in a new relationship and then everything will be okay. No, it wasn't okay. It wasn't okay. And no. so, oh my goodness, how did that relationship end? So you end in the relationship with the boyfriend, the angry, racist, complaining about yeah. it. I'm so proud of you for ending that relationship. So you end that relationship. Yeah. And then how soon? Well, first of all, how did that end? Did you break it off? Yes, I broke it off. I'm pretty good at that when I finally get my fill. I mean, it was hard because he, you know, he, like I said, I'd known him my whole life. Our families knew each other, but um, he just, yeah, didn't really care about anything in my life. So I, I broke up with him, gave him his crap back. And, and then it was probably a year and a half. Mm -hmm before I met the third guy. Yeah. Okay. We, we will talk about him in a minute. Cause he's still living in a house that you own because your name yeah. is on it. And sometimes you may have to pay for it. So we're going to talk about that in a second, but while you're going through this, right? So um, if you're paying attention to Stacy's story, she goes from divorcing her husband, having to move back in with her parents while she's back in Colorado, she meets a guy who's familiar and she jumps into dating him. Any of that time frame, right, Stacey, when, when you were, you know, getting out of divorce and whatever, did you ever go on a journey of like really figuring out how to love yourself, like going on the self-love journey? No, I, I, fe <laughs> I felt like my whole life I've been a, you know, person who reads self-help books. And again, back then there really weren't podcasts or all these different ways that you could get that information or get help. But no, I was way too busy. Try, I tr started working at a college. My kids were both in school. You know, it was just, and I was dating and I just, that, I don't really think that was even something that I would have thought about doing. Yeah. Yeah. Because when we think about like getting over a breakup, like what did you think you were supposed to do? Like, oh, time will pass. Or, you know, they say the best way to get over a guy is to get under another one. It's like, that, is that what you were thinking? <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. No, that wasn't important to me. I think it was so traumatic, the two things at, at the same time that I really wasn't even looking or thinking about. I mean, it took probably a good three or four months to not be sad and, you know, yeah, a lot of things. And he was still called drunk you know, want to talk to me yeah. or the kids. And so I was still dealing with the ex from another state. I'd have to send them down there to him all drunk. It was horrible. Oh, so yeah. I, I never would have thought about myself, except that I knew I wasn't going to go back to him. My mom did keep asking me that. And my kids, you know, kids are always like, are you ever going to get back with dad? You know, wow. but yeah. they had no idea at that time what it was like, you know, Right. They were young. Um, yeah. And, you know, not to throw your mom under the bus, but man, <laughs> mom, be on my side. Can we be on my side, you know, in this situation? Um, so do you feel like, because again, you know, I asked you, did anybody had a conversation with you growing up about relationships and what's healthy? Do you feel like a conversation um, and, and maybe some mentorship and some wise counsel around what a healthy relationship is and how to love yourself first and self-actualize? and then maybe go out there and date. Do you feel like a conversation like that would have helped you? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I have to say, I haven't even heard anything like what you teach until the last year, maybe. Yeah. 
So, and which showed up as, as a good time for my second divorce. But um, yeah, I, I do, I have felt for a long time though that people needed to be divorced for like a year at least before they got into the next relationship or started mm-hmm. dating. And I know a lot of people don't do that. So like yeah, I said- No, because you're, you're just ping pong and like, well, especially again, the shame of it all. Like not only are you getting a divorce, but then now you're sitting here single. And so for women who aren't even going through the divorce, we still have that shame of like, I'm literally a failure because I'm 35 and single. I'm literally a failure because look at my mom. It's where's the next boyfriend and what have you. And this is just um, an example. My mom, don't be asking me about boyfriends. She already know. (laughs) (laughs) Do you, boo, you do you. Um, But it's just like the shame that we sit in. Uh, Gabrielle Union said this, um, and it's so true. And she said that uh, the world is very suspicious of women without kids. And so I added that the world is very suspicious of single women. And it's weird. It's like, so I can't be single. And because I'm single, I literally had somebody ask me, I mean, are you like truly happy? Yes. <laughs> we never, being single, you cannot, there is no way that you can be happily single. No way. No way. And listen, I do believe that you can be happily single and still desire a husband, which is where I'm at. I'm not shunning anybody. I'm not saying, oh, all men are trash. And I don't believe that. Um, but what I do believe is that I'm going to get God's best for me or I'll just die single and oh well, you know? Um, okay. So let's move on to um, the the next man who I know that you said that he was completely different from your ex-husband and he was super good looking and you fell for him, right? <laughs> Talk about yes. him in the beginning, yes. And he's still very good looking and it's hard not to, yeah, 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 to go know. back. Right. I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He was uh, eight years younger. Okay. And I met him at a bar and right. um, so totally different. You were like, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna just try something completely different <laughs> than what I've dated, and hopefully this one will work out. Yeah. yeah. All, all I all the only criteria really was that I wanted to have passion for this person because with my first marriage, I felt like we loved each other and we cared about each other and everything was good, you know, before he started drinking, but there was not like this passion for him. It wasn't like Oh, I just can't wait to see you or be with you, you know. And so, um, yeah, we met at a bar, instant liking each other, found out we lived actually like five blocks from each other in the same town. But of course, I didn't know him growing up because he was younger than me. Um, Our kids knew each other. (laughs) They were in middle school and high school at the time. Yeah, He was still married, um, but basically had been you know, just kind of living in the same house, but not in a relationship with each other. But um, so that was probably my first big red flag because that was. I was just about to say, we're not going to bypass this. He was still married. (laughs) Yes. So And they were living in the same house too. So, yeah. And what was he saying about their relationship? Well, he said that she had cheated on him many times and, and left herself. Yeah. And left him and he'd always stayed and taken care of the kids and taken her back because of the kids and basically stayed with because of the kids kind of thing. Yeah. So, um, but when she found out it was, I think the youngest daughter told him or, you know, said something and she, the cops were called. (laughs) She was very angry. And um, so, you know, lots of red flags. We were from different cultures and 
Um, you know, he got in bar fights and wanted to go to bars all the time, which was something that I, I mean, occasionally with a group of friends, but like, that's what he wanted to do Friday and Saturday night till it closed. Yeah. And it was kind of fun at first, but, and my kids were old enough, like I could leave them at home at that time or, you know, they go spend the night with a friend, but it was exhausting. <laughs> and, but man, we had passion. <laughs> right. And how well, well did that work out for you? That passion? Yeah. yeah. It, well, it wasn't good. Yeah. yeah. There was a lot of red flags. I mean, we were both struggling to, to make households work because we both had two kids and we're single. Yeah. But so we moved in together after about a year and a half of dating and moved our three. I think we had three high school kids at that time into one house and <laughs> it was quite eventful for sure. Yeah. Lots of feelings and emotions and hormones going around. Right. And okay, so you're you're dating this guy who you've passed up um, some red flags and stuff. And so I want to check in with who you were at that time, especially financially. So where were you financially? Do you, you were still struggling? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So in the in the depression part of 2008, I bought a townhouse, which I shouldn't have done. Yeah. Um, and so, but I was still getting child support and everything. So that was enough to pay for the mortgage. But then I was working at the kids' school. So again, for people that don't know, when you work for a school district, they take your 10 or nine months of work and divide it into 12. Yeah. So you get paid year round and have benefits year round. So not only are you only making, you know, $15 an hour or something, I was in an office job. Then they're also spreading it out over, you know, two or three extra months. So it was not much money at all. Yeah. And we were scraping by, luckily we had family to help, but um, so yeah, it was hard for both of both him and I, we, we were struggling a lot. Until we moved in together. Right. And so at this point, you, you had no, you, you weren't thinking about, I need to like get myself financially together. Well, I was, I mean, I, while, while we were living together, I finished college and got my degree in accounting and also my life insurance license that same year. I was 48. And, um, so then I started learning more about, you know, investing money and what you, that you should have a budget. I mean, I kind of knew this stuff. I'd always worked in banking and accounting in my life, but I didn't have the degree. Yeah. And so as I started studying it more, what you should help your clients with, I was trying to do those things too. But when the other person in your relationship is, you know, you're begging them for their, for their half of the rent, the day it's due and they're scraping up cash under the mattress kind of thing. And, or he lost his job for a while. Um, you know, I just always had a job that had benefits and a regular paycheck and he always worked for himself. So after he lost his job and so it was just always tight, you know, yeah. total different ideas on how to handle money. Yeah. And it's almost like he was pulling you down, right? Like in yeah. this, there's a couple of things that I want to point out here is, well, first, do you feel like part of moving in together was the whole open save money? And they're the bills. Do you feel like that's probably why it's moved in together? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I mean, right. But then I feel like there's this like, oh, we like each other. Oh, and I'm kind of broken. So are you. So let's move in together and work it out that way. Right. Yeah. Which I, you know, probably if we didn't have kids, we probably would have moved in together a, long, a lot sooner. 
but that's that adds a you know they've got to want to do it too obviously and agree and get along with each other and uh, each of us other parent you know right and see and i would i would advise like if 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 um when my clients, if they would, if they were to come to me, I'm like, oh, this guy, we want to move in together because we want to save money. I, that that should never be a reason why you move in with a man to save money. Mm -mm. Right. I, I, I just know that it's never going to work out. You know what I mean? Because you're struggling, he's struggling, and then y'all just going to struggle together. Especially when, like you said, you had the red flags of him never being able to pay his bills on time. You should not have to yell at somebody, scream at them beg them to pay their rent on time. It's the same day. So if you are listening to this, I want you to understand that moving in with a boyfriend because you want to save money is probably not the wisest idea. At this point, what I would have told Stacy at that point in her life is like, no, baby, let's go ahead and get your finances together first because you've never been financially able to take care of yourself on your own. So let's get that established first. And then if Boo Boo the Fool is still waiting around, sure. <laughs> Hopefully at that time he wouldn't be Boo Boo the Fool. But it's like, we. I wish that, and I know you too, and we're going to go into kind of like your five money confidence um, pillars. But I just wish that, again, we were taught as women how to be um, self-sufficient and self-actualized before we actually started thinking of Boo Boo the Fool. Like we think of yourself first, take care of yourself first. And then, okay, then we could talk about dating and stuff like that. Um, because I know, <laughs> and I can say all of these things because I know where you are now with this guy. So you guys end up getting a divorce and he keeps the house, right? So you guys buy well, first, a house. First we moved. So we both owned our houses when we moved in together. Yep. But neither of our houses were big enough for all of us to live in. Okay. So he rented his house to his parents. And I rented mine to just some random people. Right. And then when we got down to one kid, we thought we'll go back to his house because we sold mine in the meantime, um, because it was a really small house. And um, so we did, we moved back in and the, the part of his divorce was that he had to get his ex and her parents off the deed and the loan, the mortgage by time she turned 18, which was going to happen in a couple months. So he goes to qualify for this house and he can't qualify because he owns his own business. He has no bookkeeping records, reporting, any kind of stuff for his business. He's just doing it on the fly, right? And so then he asks me, of course, I have a good... Which is another red flag, right? It's, I'm sorry. I just had to like, I, I really hope that you are following Stacy's story. We're dating... And and I'm a upstanding, like, I mean, at, by this point, we're doing pretty good, right? Like, we've been paying stuff on time. I paid off my car. I sold my townhouse, you know, just all these things. The things were yeah. starting to look up for both of us. Yeah. And and then he asks me to, first, I had to get on the deed to be on the mortgage, right? They won't give you, put you on the mortgage if you're not on the deed, unless you're like a co-signer. So we got me on, we got myself on the deed. I think we had to wait a couple months before we could do the mortgage then. And we go to do the mortgage and they say, okay, only I can be on the mortgage, not him, because he's going to make you have a higher interest rate because his, you know, rate's so low or whatever. Yeah. Doesn't have taxes, whatever, you know. 
And we're both like, what? I mean, this is like at the signing, basically. And neither one of us wanted to do that. Like, I didn't want to be the only one on the mortgage. But like, if we, I didn't sign that day, then it would have been done. You know, he would have had to sell the house. And, you know, it's where his kids grew up and all this stuff. So like a dummy. And I knew I shouldn't do it. Like I knew, but I still did it. Um, signed that mortgage. And they told him, you know, this is what you need to do so that it come back in a year you can refinance. And if you've done those things, then you can be on the mortgage again. Well, we have refinanced. We've taken equity out. We've built a whole huge addition and all under my name because he still hasn't gotten his stuff together to be on the mortgage. Like if today we had to sell it, he couldn't buy it from me himself. Wow. And so I, nothing has changed since 2016. <laughs> right. And I know that. So he's living in the house with your name. Right. And I remember that you told me that sometimes you have to worry about if he's going to be able to pay the mortgage this month and it's going to fall on you because your name is right. on it. I'll go after him. Yeah. Go after you. Yeah. And so because he's not on the mortgage, he couldn't, we, he couldn't just refinance it and take it over from me. He'd have to actually buy it from me. Yeah. Um, yeah. We did try to sell it for about six months and all, all the sales fell through. So, you know, he thinks it's worth all this money and wants to get tons of money out of it. That's his excuse for not keeping trying to sell it. But he's living, yeah. he's yeah, it's like a 2,400 square foot house. He's living in it all by himself and trying to make all the payments and all the utilities. And it's just a mess. And like I said, if he defaults at any time, it's all on me. Falls on you. So again, I, I hope that you are following Stacy's story because if I'm listening to this, So let's say you are ready to learn how to do the work to be happy, single, truly not performing confidence, not pretending. You don't want to be bitter and you want tools to do better in this area of self-love and relationships. And you know you have nothing else to lose. What do you have to lose? You're ready to work on you. You just don't know where to start. You need help to get rid of the shame you have in this area of your life of self-love relationships and boundaries and you want peace and you want to feel like you can trust yourself again in that case i invite you to apply to single you academy you don't know where to start start with me applications for single you academy will be open until i fill five more slots i only have five slots left so how will you be going into 2022 we will review applications on a first come first serve basis. So if you want this girl, go after it. I cannot wait to be your coach. I am already claiming it, okay? So thank you for your consideration. I look forward to learning way more about you and how we might be able to help you here at Single You Academy. So go ahead and send me a DM. My DM is always open to you. Send me the word boundaries and I'll know exactly what you're talking about. Or you can go ahead and click the link in the show notes and complete our application. Once you complete that, you and I will get on a free consultation call and we will go from there. Okay. If you have any questions, let me know. This is what I'm getting from your story, Stacy. We as women, we hope and we pray that the men that we like 
will become the men that we see in our head. Even though he has not given you any evidence that he will become that man. No. We hope and we pray. And you probably even, because you said, I knew I shouldn't have done it, but it's his kid's house. It's the house that his kids grew up in. Because you probably felt bad. So you're like, I did. Well, plus it made me feel like, I mean, we weren't engaged or anything, even though we'd been together for like four years at this point. It made me feel like this is like a more permanent future, right? He really wants to have a relationship with me because we're signing this paper on the house, right? Like that's pretty important. Yes. Look at him. He wants to be with me so bad. He's going to let me put my name on his house. Yeah. And and I have to say when he asked me to move in with him the first time or when we decided, I was just like, oh my gosh, this guy wants to live with me. Like I was like, you know. Because we get excited because we got picked. We're like, finally, this man picked me. And again, he is not showing you any evidence that he's actually a good, suitable husband for you. Mm -hmm. But because you get so excited that you get picked, as you said, we had passion. So, and it's like, again, how well is that working out for us? (laughs) He's fine. So, you know what I mean? And then we'll also add in some other things. It's great that he owns his own job. He's an entrepreneur. That's awesome. But what does that have to do with him being a suitable husband to me? No, it's, it's great. Yes. But Mm -hmm. as an accountant, you know, you need to take care of the money and you can't do cash under the table deals and you got to pay your taxes and you got to, you know, all of your taxes on time, all of these red flags slapping in the face because it's about his character, right? Who, who he is in his entrepreneurial life is who he's going to show up as in his relationship. There's no if, ands, or buts about well, it. Well, like, and, you know, on his defense, I know how he was raised and a lot of these things were never taught to him. He didn't know any different, right? And so, but I tried, you know, and there was like never a compromise. I didn't know what I was talking about. and. Right. So because I want to I want to say this about that comment. Oh, well, I know how he was raised, but it's not your job to raise him. Right. You have two kids. No. You raise them. You know what I mean? So I just I want again, you listening to get that point. It. I don't I'm no longer falling for sob stories. I'm not here to um, help you with your insecurities. I'm not here to teach you um, things that you should know. And I'm 38. You're 54 as 35 plus old men. You should know how to pay your bills. You should know that you have to pay your taxes. I'm not, we're not 22 anymore. We're not 15, right? So again, I hope you are following Stacey's story and getting the lesson because now where you are as a 54 year old woman financially, I know that um, when we talked off air, you said it's not the best and, and it's a lot of it is because of the choices that I made with men. So talk about that. Well, when I left, we were was about a year and a couple months ago I left as our divorce was going through the process. It was really slow last year because it was COVID time and courts yes. were bogged down. Um, but we were selling the house. So I thought, well, the house is going to sell. And I just, I moved out before it had sold. So he was of course complaining. And so I paid half the bills still, just like I was when I was living there and paid half the bills. When I moved in, I live with my older daughter. We share a house. So I did that for like five months, maybe, and just went in the poor house. Um, I also lost my job during that time. Actually, we'd only been moved out about four weeks when I lost my job that was paying like $80,000 a year at the time. And so all of a sudden I'm on unemployment, have no health care. 
I'm trying to support two households. Yeah. And, you know, like, like I said, the, the thought that it wasn't, didn't sell was just, we never thought that would happen. So here we are getting ourselves into another mess. Yeah. Um, so now as most people know, unemployment's ran out and I'm trying to get my insurance business built up and do odd jobs and bookkeeping for people and make ends meet. So it's not been easy, but I always have that worry in my head. You know, you really do need that emergency fund um, in case something comes up in case, you know, he could get COVID and not be able to make the rent because he works for himself, right? Yeah. He can't go to work. So there's so many reasons that something can happen or get injured in a car accident or. Does he feel any like, oh, I'm going to try to help you? Like, what is he saying? Or is he just riding off? No, he wants me to fix everything all the time. He wants me to find cheaper homeowners insurance and he wants me to try to, you know, refinance. But obviously I'm not in a position as I work for myself to refinance the house, which would lower the payment. Right. Um, it's, you know, and he's, con he constantly wants me back. <laughs> so I have to say out of the three guys, he's the only one that I didn't hate and love when I left. Um, I still care about him. I still see him because we own a house together um, and still live with my family. And I'm pretty sure you uh, have arrived at the place where you're like, I'm not going back. No. But there's something that you said earlier that, you know, even though somebody, nobody had a conversation with you about what makes a healthy relationship versus unhealthy relationship, but you were like into reading self-help books. And it goes back to what my mentor says. So my coach is Pastor Darius Daniels. And he always says, people can be full of inspiration and full of ignorance at the same time. <laughs> because you're reading the books. You just don't know how to execute what you're reading into your real life, right? Yeah. Like it's not really the dots to um, learn how to set and keep boundaries with men. They're not connecting. They're not connecting. Yeah. So that is why I do what I do because... If nobody actually, because to be honest, like after your first divorce, that's when the journey should have started with you. Like, right. I got to figure yeah. out. I, I do have to say, I don't know if you've been in this position, but when you're really broke and down, it, it depresses you, right? Like the night I met Chris at um, this bar, my friend was begging me to go. And I was like, I don't even have the $5 to get in there, let alone buy any drinks or anything. And she was like, if you can come up with the five bucks, I'll buy your drinks. Well, we didn't have to buy our own drinks, obviously, <laughs> once we got there. Yeah. But I remember like finding an old like bank deposit thing and finding like $12 in there, you know, and it's like, I can go to the bar. I mean, it was like, I had nothing. And yeah. so I think when you're down and you're depressed and you're dealing with so much pressure on you, it's a lot easier to make stupid decisions. 100%. 100%. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Because you, that is a very lonely feeling and somebody showing you attention. Absolutely. And um, especially when you're single, you don't have anybody to lean on. Yeah. Yeah. But that is why the journey of self-actualizing and loving yourself needs to happen. So then you understand your triggers. So then you understand yes. when you're in that depressed state that, you know what, I really cannot show you anything right now. I don't have any time to entertain you because I need to fix me. I need to figure out what's going on with me before I even do that. But we don't even have the education and wherewithal to do that. We just think, oh, being in this relationship will fix all my problems. But it, it, it doesn't. It never does. 
So again, I hope that you are following Stacy's story that she is right. When you hit that rock bottom and you are super sad and super lonely, and it doesn't even have to be financial rock bottom. It could be emotionally rock bottom. We as women, we are very emotional. Or health. Right. And, and it, yes, exactly. It could be the health or emotional rock bottom. And then here comes this man promising you the world, you dreaming up this life with him that you let in, <laughs> you are never going to get on your feet. That That's not how it works. If his character is not suitable to be a husband to you, it's never going to work. We can hope and pray as much as we want to, but God doesn't make alterations. God is like, I didn't make him for you. Good luck. <laughs> figure it out you know what i mean figure it out because we do have free will um and sometimes i think god it, you know it's i think because we don't study what love actually is like we all know the scripture love is patient love is kind love is da-da. but nobody knows how to execute that in life nobody because you're not actually reading the scriptures so we say that we believe in god and we say that this is what love is but we actually have no idea so then when we get into these relationships we think oh all i have to do is like hope and pray and it'll become no, <laughs> we need to be looking at people's character as well, because as the Bible says, it's a principle. Bad company corrupts good character. And I feel like this, especially the last husband, bad company corrupts yes. Stacy's good character, right? And so and good uh, credit. <laughs> and credit, right. Good yeah. credit, good character, um, good emotional state, good, you know, yeah. whatever it is. So, okay. So I want to get into the last few questions. Um, I do want to know, what do you hope your daughters learn from this? Because you have two daughters who are watching you. They're in their 20s now. And then you have grandchildren who are, are they both girls too? Yes. yes. Who are daughters. So what do you want them to learn from your story? Well, one thing is to be financially literate themselves, you know, like understand how things work, understand that they can do it themselves too. Um, have that backup plan, have a, you know, a plan, you know, so many kids and they're kind of both doing this right now, just like, I'm having fun, you know, I'm just trying to get by and have a good time and meet people. And, and that's good too. But, there, you know, you also have to think about, consider, write down those things. What kind of man do you want? Even if it's what I don't want, right? Make that list of 50 or hundred things. Um, second, when you, when you meet that person and you start getting serious with them, of course, what are the things you're going to talk about? Do you want to have kids or not? What's your religion? What's your, maybe your party in, you know, politics? Um, well, that's probably a question these days. Right. Today, yes. Maybe not 20 years ago. I mean, I would, I would probably think that for myself. And then, yeah. and then you say, what is your money story? You know, my, I had a friend who married a gal who had tons of credit card debt and he had no idea until they got married. And so that is, needs to be another question. Do you like mesh on that? Because we all know that's a huge reason people get a divorce or break up because they have money arguments, right? And disagreements. And that definitely was the case for me. Um, and also just to be, you know, self, your self-love. You should be able to be happy whether you have a man or not. That's He's not the answer. And you can't put that on him. That's not fair. Yeah. Yeah. To put your happiness on somebody else. Because even if it's a good guy, right? Like, even if it's a guy who is suitable possibly to be a husband, maybe not your husband, 
it is not fair for us as women to say, yay, he's coming to save me. Ain't nobody saving anybody out here. Like, that's not how it works. <laughs> so let's not go into relationships like that. Like, oh, she's here to save me. I'm here to save her. He's going to save me. That is not a relationship makes. It doesn't. So X that out of our mind. Um, right. I, uh, what Was there anything else on that list? Like, no. okay. So I do want to um, touch on financial uh, abuse because that is a thing. Um, and I know earlier you said, you know, if... If he is, you know, saying he doesn't want you to have your own accounts and stuff like that, we he is setting you up to be abused. Um, so let's talk about maybe two financial like situations that were um, unfortunately abusive. I know that you had kind of two stories. Yeah. So one, and I don't know if I mentioned this one the other day, but I thought about it since um, a client of mine, a woman was going through it while well, her five-year divorce had just um, ended. And what started it all is she went to her son was go, getting ready to go to college. And so she was like calling the financial advisor saying, OK, how much money does he have in his 529 plan, which is a savings plan for college? And her husband had cleared out both his and his sister's accounts and spent all the money and had through through. I don't know if it was just in the last five years or when he did it, you know, before the divorce or whatever. But she had no clue because she was never checking statements. She was not looking at what was going on with her money. She was, you know, getting the don't worry, honey, I'll take care of everything. You don't need to know. You just, or some men get mad when you ask, you know, to see statements and ask questions and even financial advisors and other professionals in finance could be, you know, try to treat women differently and like make them feel bad because they ask questions or they don't understand. And then we just shut down and stop asking. So first of all, you need to be looking at those statements every month. Yeah. Bank statements, you know, credit card statements, student loan statements, right. you have money. Right. It's like be a woman who wants to know where the money is going. Yes, that would stop because it's your money too. Even yes. if you're not making it, you're staying home or you're not making as much. Um, you need to know what's going on. And secondly, um, was a situation with a young couple who um, they lived kind of in a remote area. They had an online business and they both worked equally in the business. They sold products. So it was delivered to their house and they shipped it out. Um, you know, he only gave her a like a hundred dollar a week allowance kind of for working and he controlled all the rest of the money. If they went anywhere for meals or shopping or she did anything like that, she had to ask to spend more than she was allotted that time. I mean, it was just really controlling. And even though other people could see it, she would like was like, no, he's doing such a good job with our money, which he was. But he was controlling everything and she had no idea what was going on. So that's a huge red flag. If somebody won't let you have passwords and access to accounts, red flag. Why? And and this is going to cause an argument, but yeah. then that's even more of a red flag. There shouldn't be anything they should be hiding or, and I'm not, I'm not telling women to have their own secret savings and not tell them. I don't encourage couples to have any secrets within each other, but you need to be equally, you know, some people do a budget, like maybe they have a joint account, but then they each get $500 a month to spend on whatever they want. No questions asked, you know, that kind of thing. And if you want to save your $500, you can, 
Right. And I think that if if we if we um want to be these people who are like, well, I want to do whatever I can with my money and this and that, then we don't need to be married because that that is a marriage. Like I, I follow the you know, I follow Dave Ramsey and, and there's a, a lot of other financial gurus that I follow. And they always say you and your husband sit down once a month. Da 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 da. Money meetings. Yeah. Like we need to have our money Monday meetings. You know what I mean? Every first of the month at two p.m. That's where we sit down. Make it fun. You know. Yeah, that can be wine. Or I know a couple that they go get a like a hotel for the night. Oh. And they talk about everything, and then they go out and for dinner and have like a date night afterwards. I like that. Let me write down on. uh, I need to write that on my list of what I want in a relationship. That's super. Um, because you should want to know where your money is going. Um, okay. So you have like a money confidence, um, kind of like five pillars. Do you want to talk? Yeah. So I, I used to be a money coach and I'm still here to help any woman who has a question or wants to learn more. I can, you know, share some of the things I've done, but what I used to teach was money confidence for women. And the first pillar is money mindset. So all the stuff like we're talking about today is basically considered mindset how you're thinking about money, what's your relationship with money. Um, well, and it all kind of started when you were growing up and just did your parents fight? Did they get paid once a month and then go blow it all in the first week? Yeah. And then you were scraping by the rest of the month or maybe your parents had lots of money or maybe your parents take care of all your money and you know give you money and you don't have to worry about it all. I mean, there's just so many aspects to it, but you can choose what you want it to be. And then the second pillar is tracking your money and making a budget like there's mint.com or YNAB, which stands for you need a budget.com. Those are both free platforms that you can link to your checking and savings and credit cards, and it'll show you what you're spending your money on and kind of see where you're at. Because if you don't know where you're at, you're working so hard to make that money and sacrificing time away from your family and time doing what you want to get that paycheck. And then you're just ignoring it. Yeah. I mean, besides paying your bills, no, you've got to save, you've got to invest, you've got to see what, where your money's at. Don't just waste it all. And then at the end of the month, you have nothing to show for all your hard work. Uh, the third pillar is savings and investments. So just making sure you have that emergency fund and other kind of savings that you need for college or different things. Um, fourth is paying off debt. So making a plan to pay down your debt a little extra each month. I know that's hard when you're a single person. But you can take on extra things. There's so many things you can do online now yeah. or sell stuff, obviously. Right. Okay. Um, and then part of that is to cut back on the emotional spending where you're buying things on credit, like using a credit card or, you know, getting a loan um, when you buy a stove at Home Depot or whatever, financing it. And then yeah. the fifth thing is just educating yourself. Just there's so many ways online, purstrings.com. Um, is a good one. There's so many things and that's just for women, lots of information on there. So don't make the excuse that nobody ever taught you because nobody ever taught me either. Nobody ever taught Rika. Yeah. Yeah. You need to do it yourself. You need just like you're learning about having a good relationship with yourself and with others and being single, you need to learn and educate yourself about money. And I can help anyway, anybody with that. So if you want to reach out, I'm here. And I love how you said, don't make the excuse like nobody ever taught us, right? At this big age that we are, everybody, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like my clients are 30 plus professional women. We're grown now and we need to be intentional, intentional. (laughs) Let me start over. We're grown now and we need to be intentional with where our money is going, 
especially with where our heart is going. We need to pay attention to those things, especially if you deem yourself a faith-based woman. The Bible says, guard your heart. And we run around here saying all of these scriptures and I want a God-fearing man and this and that and da-da-da. And we have no idea what it means. You know why? Because we don't do any studying. The Bible also says my people perish from lack of knowledge. So if you are lacking knowledge in an area, don't you think it's time to actually educate yourself in that area? Because wherever you are ignorant is where you will suffer. Whatever and, lane you are ignorant in is the lane that you will suffer in. Go ahead, Stacey. It also says wherever your wallet is basically is where your heart is. Yes. So yes. if you're spending all your money on going out and partying or clothes, shoes, you know, your house decorations, is that what you idolize, right? Is that where your heart is? Or is it, I mean... You know, that's just a scripture. So no, no, and I, no, no. You are absolutely right, Stacy. If you're spending money on things on outside things, it yeah. lets you know that you are a woman who holds value in that. Like, I need to, um, you know, make sure my eyebrows are waxed, make sure my face is beat, get me the new red bottoms or the Jordans because I'm a tomboy, and get all of these <laughs> things together so then I can attract a man. And then yeah. when I attract that man, I am now valuable. When that's not the thing that makes you valuable, honey, you were born, right? And so God already knew you before he formed you in, his, um, in your mother's womb, which means he knew you, which means you are already valuable. He already made you whole, right? And yeah. so seeking outside things to make a man pick me, I don't want you to be that woman. I want you to be a woman who holds yourself accountable to the things that you say that you want. So what I find in, in my line of work and being um, the single girl's life coach and helping women uh, women learn how to set and keep boundaries. They'll come to me and a lot of them cannot afford me because they have so much credit card debt because of all the things that they were spending money on that made no sense. That actually didn't add any value to your life and men and men. And, and I'm talking about my old self as well. I have the whole story of the $10,000 boyfriend. Um, I, I, one of my, um, there was a young lady that was in my DMs and she said that she had spent money on a guy literally paid for his semester in college, just so he would stay with her. And so you have that debt, but now you can't afford me as a coach. That makes no sense to me. And mm -hmm. I feel sorry for you. You know, it's like, I, I feel sad for you. And I hope that you will actually turn yourself around and say, okay, <laughs> this isn't working. This isn't working. And so I need to do something differently. And the way that you change your whole life and behavior is by investing in yourself, either in time, and or money. You have to do that. If you say that you want to be this woman who is happy in her singleness, who can slow down the dating process, you are going to have to invest in yourself, whether it be with time and or money. Right. I did both. I did both. Time and money. Um, okay. So I want to end um, on this, Stacey. Moving forward. <laughs> <laughs> How is Stacy going to be dating? What red flags will you no longer pass up? I'm sure you're not going to be dating for a while, but I would just love to know who is the woman you're going to be moving forward. Yeah, it's already been a year. Well, you're totally divorced, I guess. Um, and I really don't have any desire right now today. I really enjoy doing whatever I want and nobody saying, I don't like that restaurant or I don't want to watch that show. <laughs> I can do whatever I want. Yeah. Um, so I'm really enjoying that. And I don't know if I'll ever actually get married again, but um, definitely someone 
I feel that is more emotionally, financially um, stable than I am. You know, just like a little has done the work to understands why you would want to do that work, um, understands dealing with mixed families, obviously, you know, we would probably both have kids and grandkids and um, goes to church. Yeah, <laughs> never had one of those. So I'd like a man, which is crazy, I've gone to church my whole life, but I've never had a man that goes with me. So yeah, that's definitely important. Make sure with the goes to church, watch for his character though. Like what, true, true. Trust me. I've had my last two went to church, but baby, <laughs> they wasn't anything. Um, I, okay, so I will leave you listening with this question. Okay, after hearing Stacy's story and hearing this podcast episode, I want to ask you this question. When you say he gotta make money, I need a man who makes six figures. He gotta be a high value man. Why do you say that? I want you to think about that. Why do you say that? Where is that coming from? Oh yeah, and one more disclaimer. I will never tell you I'm an expert in this area. I am just speaking from my lens and what I learned by being in an abusive relationship, by not knowing myself, by not having self-love for myself and not knowing how to set a boundary to save my life, girl. So just remember that I'm speaking from my lens. And after 18, 19 years of radio, September of 2020, I stepped down from my full-time radio job to focus on what God is calling me to do in this season. And this is it. I'm called to guide you, girl. I'm called to guide women who need to hear that singleness is not a punishment and you are worthy regardless of your relationship status. That's what I'm here for. So if that's you, I want you to share this episode, especially if I say something that resonates with you. Share it with a girlfriend. Sharing is caring. Also, can you subscribe to this podcast? You will be notified once a new episode drops. So definitely subscribe and rate. Rate this podcast. Okay, please. I don't know if you know how much it actually helps like a host like me, an influencer, how much a rating, a share, a like helps us. So please help this small business owner, me, Rika, that's me, <laughs> by rating this podcast as well. Lastly, my intro. Here's a fun fact. It comes from my old morning show. I used to have this morning show on a station here in the Tri-Cities called Power 99.1. And my friend, my co-worker, one of the greats in production land, James Tyler, he had made that for me for my morning show, the Just Me Rika show. And I was like, yo, on my podcast, I need that intro back. <laughs> and he made it for me. So thank you for that intro. Thank you for the production, James Tyler. Uh, of course, it was inspired by Beyonce. All right, girl, that's it. Thank you so much for listening to Single You, the podcast. And we'll talk on the next episode.